So this is Keith Price, Sirius XM out Keith for the Backstage Skinny, and I'm talking to David Leopold, author, curator of this amazing Hirschfeld collection. Big question for you is how did you pare down the thousands of pictures to make this collection happen? Well, you know, it was impossible. <laughs> uh, Al Hirschfeld said, always, always said, know your limitations. And so when you work on an exhibition like this, I've spent 25 years studying his work. I knew where the bodies were, and I knew the story I wanted to tell. And then, so that's one criteria, that you know the drawing exists and you know where it is. So that helps. You, those are that collection of drawings. Then out of that, you start editing down what tells the story I want to tell and what can we afford to bring. There was a great drawing of uh, Miller and Lyles, uh, this the really important African-American uh, performers, writers. They, they, wrote, they wrote the book to shuffle along in 1921. Which they're bringing back. Which they're bring, exactly. Um, well, that drawing's in London, and I really wanted to bring it, and they said we can't afford to bring it in from London, which is why it's here in a newspaper clipping, which will blow anybody's mind. I mean, even the clipping will just blow people's minds. Um, and, and, and so the other drawings, well, you know, uh, I could fill this room with a completely different set of drawings, and they would still be wonderful. Uh, so uh, I'm very fortunate. It was an embarrassment of riches. I got to pick the cream of the crop to see the original drawing of Guys and Dolls and the original drawing of Fiddler on the Roof. They've never been in the same room together and they never will be in the same room together again. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, and in the book, we've managed to bring those all together and we, and we brought together, the great thing about the book is you get more chances to put in more images. You know, so we have nearly 400 there almost half of which have never been in a Hirschfeld book before. And nearly a hundred of them are in color, which will blow people's minds because we think of Hirschfeld in black and white. And that was his really main uh, um, thing, you know, that he wanted to draw in black and white. But for these movie studios and for TV guide covers, you know, we think of him as just theater. And of course, he did, there's a Broadway theater name for him for a very good reason. He was an integral part of the Broadway experience for more than 75 years. Um, but he's almost the same in the world of TV and almost the same in the world of music and dance and film because he was such an integral part of that. He was the herald for what was happening in the performing arts anywhere in the country. His drawings, uh, you know, most of his theater drawings appeared the Sunday before the show opened. So he wasn't picking winners and losers. He wasn't saying this is a hit, isn't this a great drawing of the hit? He was saying this is opening, this is weak. And they were standalone features. They weren't illustrations for articles or reviews. They were Hirschfeld's telling you what's opening this week. And so he was Broadway's best friend because everybody looked at Hirschfeld drawings, even if they didn't care about Broadway. And a lot of people got to care about Broadway because they saw Hirschfeld's drawings. I love it. It was something that you had said about that earlier in terms of how more people have, have seen the Hirschfeld drawing of the music man than probably have ever saw the show. Like, do you, you find it as him being that conduit, even like even beyond like the cast album, like to me he's kind of like the cast album because I grew up in Texas and sure. you know, most of these shows I probably would have never seen if, except if they toured and even if they toured they didn't come with the leads and the principals and it's like, it's interesting when you made that connection that's what clicked in my brain, it's like this is like a, a visual cast album. Well, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Paul Rudnick in a 1994 
play Jeffrey. Yes. Has uh, the priest say to Jeffrey, I know where you got your idea of God. You got it where most people got it. The original cast album of My Fair Lady with Shaw <laughs> operating these marionettes. You thought it was God, as did Shaw. <laughs> and it's so true. You're right. His work came to represent Broadway. Frank Rich, who was for such a long time the critic for the, the theater critic for the New York Times, he said when he came to New York, he just assumed everyone was going to look like Hirschfeld drawings because that's what his view of New York was. Hirschfeld came to represent that to people all over the country and all over the world. And indeed, really, performers ended up sort of looking like the Hirschfeld drawings rather than the other way around because people wanted... Ray Bulger used to wrote to Hirschfeld once and said, uh, I, I quoted in the book, where he he realized he wanted to live up to the to to what his Hirschfeld drawing was. Now Hirschfeld wasn't constrained by gravity. He could make Ray Bulger leap in the air and never land. Uh, Ray Bulger had a problem with that. He had to eventually land. And he, he, he writes to Al and he says, uh, perhaps you're my doppelanger, or maybe I'm yours. <laughs> So, he, the, you know, he, uh, and what's also great about it is he had a, the, the wit involved. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he was very serious about his work. I mean, he was a very, very committed artist. He was really creating a drawing that satisfied him. And if everyone else liked it, that was great. But it had to satisfy him. He was looking to create a drawing that would outlast its topical value. Mm -hmm. So even if you never saw The Music Man, you look at that drawing and it's captivating as a drawing. And, and like so many people, like, uh, like me, I looked at his drawings for years in the Times before I ever really knew what they were. And then once I got this idea of like, well, who are these people? And that started my path down a, a life of theater, you know, that I couldn't imagine my life without it. I mean, so, and I don't think I'm alone in that regard. So many people have that experience. Wow, David Leopold here with me on the Backstage Skinny, Sirius XM OutCube, when we're talking about the Hirschfeld Century, the um, huge, wonderful display of art of Hirschfeld here at the Historical Society here in New York. And, don't forget, well, The Portrait of an Artist and His Age, <laughs> which is a wonderful book that's going to be available later on in the summer. Um, at this point now, it's sort of like, what do you think you uh, have, what did you learn more about Hirschfeld after doing the book than your time and experience with him? Well, you know, it was interesting. Doing the book, uh, I've told a story, you know, uh, I've done other exhibitions of his work, but when I wrote the book, it was, the, you know, I can tell you something, and I don't have to footnote it and say I got it from this thing. I could, I could give his actual quotes. I could tell you specific numbers. And as I started to look through the information, I learned things that I'd never learned before because I never stopped and looked at it. You know, when Al was alive, it was this th rush of drawings. There was always new drawings. And I was, you know, he had a 75-year jump on me. So I was always playing catch-up. You know, and uh, so in all these years since he's passed away, I feel like I finally caught up. And then I started doing the book and I was like, wait a second, here are all these questions I should have asked him because I want to know more. But, you know, the drawings tell, tell you. I mean, the drawings have so much information. And when you put the pieces all together, you, you realize it's the best story not only in the theater, but in all the performing arts. Because he's really the flag for uh, Broadway, he's the flag for Hollywood, he's the flag for TVs. Uh, uh, um, but of course, theater was the thing that he loved the most. And he never got tired of it. He never would go to a show and say, oh, that other one was better. They don't write plays like they used to. 
he was always uh, he was all it was always fresh to him. He totally lived in the present, and so he didn't care about the past. He didn't care if he'd seen uh, Showboat six or seven times. He wanted to see this production and how this production stood up. And so, in a way, he was Broadway's best friend because he shared that enthusiasm with everybody when he did the drawings. And he's still Broadway's best friend because we look at these drawings now and we want to learn more about these productions. Well, you're becoming Broadway's best friend by <laughs> curating and putting all of this together I for you people. Were. <laughs> well, you know, I'm kind of like the, the the wing guy for Broadway. <laughs> it was like they call me when they want to have fun, <laughs> yeah, but right. you know, I never get deep down and serious like this. But at this point now, it's sort of like this is a wonderful collection. But it seems to me that there's probably a lot more that you could you could put together or do you feel like this is definitive well it's it's definitive to one it's it's, it's definitive about his work uh, in about two years there's going to be a biography of Al that will tell you his you know where he came from you know his story as a child how he sort of became the artist mm -hmm. I'm only really interested once he picked up the pen right. you know and I talk about uh, uh, of course his relationships his daughter Nina mm -hmm. but that's not the main focus of the book. The main focus of the book is Al Hirschfeld's art, what he did in that studio. And um, it's, it's much, much richer than people, you know, we, it's, it looks so simple and easy. We have this barber chair here, you know, he worked in this barber chair, he thought it was a very functional chair and did all these things, he could turn into a Shea lounge when he needed to. Um, and we, we encourage people to try to draw like Hirschfeld. Um, and you realize it's not as easy as it looks. And that's true of his story. It, you know, it, it, in a sense, it's not very interesting at all. He finds success at a young age and just gets better. But what he accomplished in his life and how we see the world of Broadway and film and the performing arts uh, is really Al Hirschfeld's story because he helped define so much of that. Recording it and defining it. That's, no one else has done it and probably nobody else will ever do it. And if it does happen, it won't be in our lifetimes. Uh, no. And they'll be doing it differently. Well, and, and there aren't the venues that Al had. You know, not everybody reads the same paper anymore. Not everybody reads the same magazines. Um, he would have functioned well. He said that if he got started at the age of the Internet, he would have gravitated toward that. Mm -hmm. But as we know, not everybody goes to the same website. Not everybody listens to the same program. Um, so he was fortunate in that regard that there were so few places you could get the information that it, when his work appeared in it, everybody saw it. And I don't, uh, artists today don't have that luxury. They, they're, they're, it's much more diffuse, which is to our benefit, of course. Mm -hmm. But uh, you don't have such an iconic artist like Hirschfeld anymore that the, the venues that he used, that he had, just don't exist anymore. Now here's something too that I, I recognized too when you were pointing out the, um, the picture with Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah. And I was looking at the defiant ones back with it. Like, do you get a sense of, of Hirschfeld's sentiment about the race relations and stuff that were going on at the time through his work? Do you, can you kind of feel that or does well, it? I do think that you can get a sense of it because it's reflected in the theater and it's right. reflected in film. But for Hirschfeld, the color of a person's skin was of no more importance than the color of their costume. It was all about character. And that's what he was trying to capture. And he didn't think anatomical distortion was any, big heads, little bodies was any interesting. He thought that was like when you turn over a spoon and look at yourself and it, you're all distorted. Right. He didn't find that particularly funny. And so uh, uh, what, he, what, he, what he was doing something beyond that. Um, you know, he's called the greatest caricaturist uh, of all time, but he didn't really practice caricature. He, he was really joining the artist in their performance. Uh, as he said, he took the actor 
the, the character created by the playwright, performed by the actor, and he would reinvent it for the reader. And, and, and so whether they were black, white, Asian, uh, anything, it, it, that didn't matter to him. It was the performance that they gave. It was the character that they were trying to convey. And so if that character was larger than life, then the drawing was larger than life. And if that character was just a, a, a regular guy, like in a Tennessee Williams play, the, the, the sort of regular people that are, populate those plays, that was golden for him because he wanted to capture character. You know, and it didn't matter whether it was the flamboyant uh, Mae West or the Marx Brothers or whether it was Amanda Wingfield in Glass Menagerie. They were all characters to Hirschfeld, and that's what he loved. He loved that in his work, and he loved that in his personal life. You know, he, he loved the theater in part because it was full of all kinds of crazy characters that to him, that was the source of life, you know? That, that sort of controlled chaos of the theater was what he lived for, what, and what turned him on. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to me. This is Keith Price talking with David Leopold at, for the Hirschfeld Foundation, as well as for, let me make sure to get the title right, The Hirschfeld Century, A Portrait of an, an Artist and His Age. It's going to be available, I'm sure, wherever you get your books. Come when now? Uh, July 8th. It'll be in bookstores everywhere, or you can get it done online at, uh, after July 8th. Fantastic. And we will be back. Thank you so hey, much. Thank you. That was great. That was fantastic. Thank you.